Morning, everybody. Good to see you on this chilly Sunday morning. I'm so glad that you're here with us. And uh, for those who are watching online, excited that you are a part of this worship experience as well. You know, we have a thriving family ministry. And uh, so I wanted to just share three things that are going on this month uh, through our family ministry uh, offerings. So tonight, our um, Elevate student ministry kicks off the 2022 season. So there'll be meeting tonight all online. So sixth through 12th grade, Elevate starts tonight online. And uh, so if you know somebody, if you are somebody in that age group, check that out. It's going to be great. And then on the 14th of this month, we have a drive-in movie right here on our campus, right against this wall out in the parking lot. There'll be a movie, Smallfoot. First service, I called it Littlefoot, but Little Feet. That was a band of the 70s, right? Little Feet. Anybody remember that? No, you're old, Jeff. That's all right. Little Feet. It was a great. Anyway, it doesn't matter. This is Smallfoot, and it's going to be a great thing. So pack up the car, pack up friends, family, kids. Come on out and uh, check out that movie on the 14th. And then on the 18th of this month, our registration for our preschool opens up. And so for two and a half year olds through kindergarten, um, you can register for next year beginning on the 18th. All right. So just a few things going on here at Hope Church. You can always find out what's going on here at Hope by going to meethope.org and uh, lots of stuff uh, going on all the time throughout the course of a week. Speaking about things going on, we are excited about in welcoming into our midst again this year our friends from Urban Promise and Urban Promise International. You are in for a blessing. We heard it first service, and it's going to be a great uh, time for you to hear from these folks. Beginning with Bruce Main. Bruce is the founder and I don't know what your title is anymore, Bruce. What, what do they call you over there now? Just Bruce. Head Mahoff. Yo, Bruce. This is the <laughs> <laughs> boss man. No, no, I don't think so. Nobody calls you boss. No, nobody calls me boss man. No, no, no. me either. Um, <laughs> So Bruce has been um, coming to hope for, we were just talking about this. So you guys started in 1988. Yeah. 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 So right around the time we were putting our core group together, you were launching this uh, ministry in Camden. Did you ever imagine what it would become? No. And, and I, I never imagined what, what this would become. Yeah. I mean, I remember uh, first time I preached, I think we were in a little elementary school. Yes. And uh, yeah, that was, a, that was your big start. That so. was, yeah. And then we graduated to a high school yeah. and they kicked us out. So <laughs> I, I've been kicked out of churches too, so <laughs> <laughs> we have something in common. There you go. <laughs> so uh, you guys have been dealing with uh, some of the challenges uh, in the last couple of years that everybody's been dealing with uh, with regard to the pandemic. How's it been going in Canada? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I mean, we work with children and uh, we run schools and after school programs. And so, uh, you know, we had a great run this fall. I think we were pretty normal. Okay. Uh, kids were back. And then, uh, you know, there's been this surge recently. So we've delayed school, in-person school opening a week. Uh, you know, we 
tested our staff last week. We had a bunch of people test positive. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're adapting, we're innovating. Uh, you know, our staff, I think, has been incredibly resilient. Mm. And, you know, they've done all sort of creative things uh, over the past year, you know, delivering packages to kids' homes with activities. And, I mean, even we were even, uh, yeah, uh, the Trekkers, you know, put these little schmore kits together for, because they couldn't go out in the woods. This is a year ago. So anyway, but we're, we're, we're doing it. We're making it. Yeah, nice, nice. I, and teachers, man, teachers, healthcare workers, who, if you are one of them, do an amazing work it's in tough. really difficult times. It's tough to be a teacher right now. Yeah, and you've yeah. got, so for those who may not know, you've got a couple of schools going on. Yeah, so in Camden, we have, we have two schools. We have an elementary school and a high school. Yeah. Uh, so those have been going for, you know, over 25 years. Uh, and then, you know, we've got... How many got, kids in each? How many in we've the... We've got uh, about 50 in the high school and about 110 in the elementary school. That's great. And then we've got citywide after-school programs. Uh, we're the largest employer of teens in the city, street leaders. Wow. Uh, we build wooden boats. <laughs> we put those boats on water. And yes. they actually float. Yeah. Uh, so uh, most of the time. Yeah, most of the time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, you know, we're just doing. We take kids out, you know, into the wilderness, and you know, we're just doing creative stuff. Uh, so Great. we want to get back in full swing, though. And so, uh, Urban Promise, the the uh, idea of Urban Promise and the model of Urban Promise has been kind of picked up uh, in places around the country, right? Yeah, so, you know, over the last 30 years, I, I'll get calls from people and say, you know, we need this in our city, and so we'll begin a dialogue and we'll talk. Uh, and, you know, usually, Jeff, it's a leader that has a vision and the commitment and the passion, yeah. uh, a little bit crazy to start something. Um, but but it's, it's amazing to see what's happened. So we're, yeah, we're in Los Angeles, Charlotte, Little Rock, Vancouver, Toronto, starting something in Ottawa, Nashville, wow. uh, Trenton, Wilmington, Camden. So it's, it's really been spreading, and that's, that's domestically. That's fantastic. Yeah, and so then there's Urban Promise International. What's going on with that? Yeah, so, I mean, you'll hear a little bit in a minute, but uh, we're, Sandy, how many countries are we in now? We're, we've got 29 locations, Jeff, around the world. Uh, wow. Malawi, Kenya, Uganda, Liberia, uh, Nigeria. Nigeria. <laughs> Honduras, Colombia, you know, so. Come on, man. I know, I know. <laughs> but it's, it's really, I mean, and all these ministries, they're in under-resourced communities. They're working with the world's most vulnerable children. And we're just, you know, you just got to invest in kids, Jeff. Yeah, yeah love that's, it. that's it. That's family ministry, right? That's yep. what we were just talking about. So, um, from the very beginning, you know, back in those earliest days, uh, we've partnered with Urban Promise. It has been one of the great joys. Um, many of our Hope families and individuals are connected. Uh, some of your staff are Hope folks. Board members are Hope folks. Volunteers, Hope folks. And uh, that has been a great joy and meaningful uh, to them as individuals and certainly to us as a church. Um, and we have also tried to support you as best we can uh, financially as well. And with that in mind, as we start out this new year, we like to give you guys a little boost as well. So we have a gift from the members of Hope Church uh, to Urban Promise, uh, $3,000. Oh, wow. uh, so God bless you, man. Thank you. 
Jeff, th thanks. Yeah. You know so, so much. And and again, we couldn't we couldn't do it without you. We don't, you know, we don't get you know big government grants. We don't get any government grants. Yeah. We don't have some big sugar daddy that writes us a big check. It's it's lots of churches and little people, uh, you know, donations all over the world. So thank you. Yeah, it, it's what keeps us going. God is good. So. You've got some uh, friends. Uh, I have of, to come here with friends, right? I love that. I, I you, love that. You never want me to come alone. No. No. In fact, it, you could send the friends and you could stay right, home. Right. Exactly. Actually. Uh, that's usually the response I get afterwards. <laughs> like, you know, stay home next time, Bruce. There you go. Send your friends. So yeah, I'll, I'll ask my friends up. to come up and, yeah. and uh, let's uh, let's welcome friends of friends of promise. So, you know, as Jeff said, you know, we started in Camden 35 years ago, and, you know, that was really the original vision, just to reach kids uh, in Camden. And then, you know, we started spreading to other cities. And then about 13, 14, 15 years ago, I, I lose track of time, we had a, a young leader from Malawi show up in my office to do an internship, and he went back and started a ministry called Youth Care. And since that time, we, we've been bringing uh, young, visionary Christian leaders from different countries. They come for two years. Uh, we help them get a master's degree in nonprofit leadership. Uh, we inspire them with the Urban Promise model. And then at the end of their two years, they present their vision of what they want to do when they get back to their country to our board of directors. And uh, sometimes they're approved, and so they go back and they plant these incredible ministries. So, and our director of the program, Sandy, you want to just wave your hand? This is the director of uh, our fellows program. And uh, Hamilton, you want to step up, introduce yourself? Uh, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> uh, my name is Hampton Douglas Banda. I'm from Malawi. Malawi. Yes. And just so people know, Malawi on the continent of Africa is where? Uh, Malawi is found in southeast of Africa. Southeastern East side. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. And next uh, we have? Maggie. Maggie. Yes. And where are you from, Maggie? I'm from Malawi as well. Malawi as well. Yes. What, tell us one great thing about your country. Uh, this the lake. We have a beautiful lake and uh, very yummy fish. It's our specialty. The chumbo. Chumbo. Yes. Fish yes. is your specialty. And yes. you've got a big, beautiful lake. I think it's one of the biggest on the continent. Y yes. It's and, so beautiful. Uh, and how are you liking the United States? You've just been here a month or a couple of months. I'm liking it very much. I never imagined that I would like it this way. But like in terms of food, then I love the turkey and the stuffing during Christmas. You, so you I like the turkey. It. Okay. <laughs> Good. And yeah. uh, thank you, Maggie. And, and next we have... Good morning, my name is Beatrice Songai from Kenya. Beatrice from Kenya? Yeah. And you were telling me last week that this is the first time you've been on an airplane. Yeah. Was that exciting? Yeah, it was. <laughs> was, it, was it scary at all? Sorry? It was a, were you afraid? Yeah, it was, but I'm happy. You're happy? Yeah. And like since coming to the U.S., do you have a favorite food? Yeah, I have... My favorite food so far, I love turkey, it's muggy. Yeah. I also love pizza so much. Pizza. <laughs> yeah. And, and do, you know, Pastor, between services, he called the Pizza Hut, and they're going to deliver pizzas. <laughs> so we'll, we'll be eating pizza after the service. Is that good? Thank you so much. I'm grateful. <laughs> <laughs> See, he delivers. I mean, you know. Uh, but anyway, you're here for, for two years. 
Yeah. How 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 school school good? Yeah, school is good. Good. We are through the first semester. We are in for second semester from tomorrow. Fantastic! Great. Yeah. Thank you, Beatrice. And uh, last but not least, uh, who who are you? Uh, my name is Kelly Ot. Kelly Ot. Yes, from Malawi. From Malawi also. Yes, yes. And uh, how do you like the snow? Oh, it's good. Yeah. Like the sighting. Yeah. <laughs> it's is this beautiful. Your, is this your first experience with snow? Yeah, yeah. I've never seen snow before, and okay. this is my first time. Just maybe the the melting part yeah. of the snow. <laughs> yeah. Do you like shoveling snow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You exactly. do. Well, Jeff, uh, <laughs> if we, come on over. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, you guys are going to share a song, and mm -hmm. uh, so we'll we'll let you do that. And so these are fellows, leaders. Uh, that are here for two years, and they're going to bless you with a song. Uh, good morning, Hope. Uh, so this morning we are going to give you a song. It's called Baeti Inkosi, and it is a Zulu language, which uh, means exalted king, and uh, it represents God as the king of kings. Enjoy. your riches, who can deny you a crown, Lord of all? Who can touch your greatness? Who can know your power? Who can set your riches? Who can deny you a crown, Lord of all? You are crowned, King of Africa, you are crowned, Lord of all. Who can deny you a crown, Lord of all? Uh, we are going to give you another song, and it's called Excess Love. And this song just represents how beautiful God is, and uh, with so much that He has blessed with our hearts, and just to give thanks to Him, but also just to appreciate his love upon our lives. Thank you. Mm -hmm. 
You know, just before I speak, um, Hamilton, I, I wanted just for you to share a little of your story. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I met you, how old were, were you when I, when I first met you? I was nine years old. Nine. How old are you now? Uh, I'm 26. 26. So we've known each other for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I was much younger then, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, just, I, I want you to tell the folk here, uh, you know, when I met you at nine, you'd mm -hmm. been living on the streets yeah. of the capital of Malawi, yeah. Lilongwe. Yeah, Lilongwe. I want you to try to help these folk understand a little bit what it's like to be a nine-year-old kid living on the streets. Uh, so I was born in a family of two, and my parents uh, passed away when I was five years old. So with poverty at home, I was forced to go into the streets, and there I was uh, kind of like a homeless kid. So I was just walking up and down in the streets, trying to find hope trying to survive just for a day. And um, when I was there, since there was no one to take care of me, uh, I had to ask money from the people uh, so that I could find food. But also the sleeping conditions were very bad because I had to sleep under the bridge, uh, the bridge of Lilongi. I think you have been there. But so, so wait a minute, you're, you're, you're nine. Yeah. You're, you're sleeping under a bridge. Yes. And you're, you're trying to survive. Yes. And, and is it hard to survive? Yes, very hard. Um, when I remember, always when it gets night, uh, like during night, I was always afraid because uh, I have these young adults, like uh, the big gangs, and they could come and say, give us money. So if failure to do that, they could beat us, sometimes put us in a ring, like uh, wrestling, and uh, have us fight uh, one another. Wow. Yeah, so it was... So, th so these, are the, these are the big guys kind of in the neighborhood, and they would prey on you guys, like the, the smaller ones, and you'd have to pay them money. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so it was that kind of life whereby I had to uh, make alliances at, at, at a little age, whereby I could go to some people and say, hey, can you help me so that these people cannot beat us? And I uh, had to at least maybe give them money so that I could also survive in that way. Yeah. So it was really tough, and sometimes we used to sleep in um, the minibuses. Uh, people, they own uh, minibuses for transportation, so after that they put them, they packed them somewhere, and we had to sleep in those uh, buses, sometimes on uh, bus stations. Yeah. So we used uh, to sleep there. The life was just uh, terrible, and the following morn yeah. morning, the same life. And, uh, so you're sleeping in buses, park buses, and, and, and so one day you, you bump into an Urban Promise international worker. Yes. And he, he, he's got some food. And, and tell us what happens. Uh, so one day I was uh, begging on a mosque, and then uh, there was a shoplight. Um, save a lot. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it was a shoplight uh, nearby. So I had these men, they were from African Bible College, and they were uh, in partnership with Urban Promise. So they said, oh, we are learning an after-school program. Would you like to come and join? So I said, uh, at first I said no, uh, because I didn't know them. But later on, they come again. But the friend was just coming out of the shop light with uh, bread and bananas. So uh, he said, oh, I'm ready. And he said, uh, are you guys joining us? Then I saw food. I said, yeah. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll come. And uh, sure. I joined the program. Yeah. They started to teach us the word of God. But at that time, I didn't care because I was just there for food. And later on, as time was going, 
uh, this young man came and said, tell me your story. So I started uh, explaining uh, my story to him, and uh, he felt it to help me. Yeah. yeah. And so then you get, uh, we had a little residence for boys. Yes. Uh, you get there. You get back in school. Uh, yes. you, somehow you get through high school. Yes. And then you go to college. Oh, yes. <laughs> and now you're here working on a master's degree. Like, like I mean, does this... Yeah, what do you think about all this? Uh, so at that time, I didn't know how to read my own uh, language or write. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, yeah, it took me like there was so much a gap of, uh, of many years being in school. But what uh, these people did was uh, to do a homeschooling uh, to teach me how to read and write. And then from there, I realized that I was smart. <laughs> so <Yep>. I, started to read. <laughs> I started to read and write, and then I went to an elementary school. Then I went to uh, high school. I was working hard, like nobody's business. <laughs> yeah. So I worked so hard, and then I went to college, the same college, African Bible College. And four years there, I graduated. And then I applied for the fellowship program to come here, and now I'm doing uh, my master's program. Uh, which I thank God. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's an extraordinary story. You're an extraordinary young man. Um, what, what I find even more extraordinary is you, you could go back to your country, probably get a comfortable government job, yeah. uh, but you've chosen to go back and start your own nonprofit to reach street kids like yeah. you. Yes. I think that's incredibly courageous, and and uh, thank you for your vision and your mission. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Jeff, I don't know about you, but I'm inspired. This is uh, this is why we do this work, and uh, this is just one young man. Uh, these are extraordinary young leaders, and uh, I hope you'll take a minute afterwards to just greet them and, and maybe uh, get to know their story a little bit. Moses uh, has just been approached by God at the burning bush. Many of us know the story. And uh, Moses has been asked to go do something that's way beyond, I guess, his pay grade, and that is uh, he's been asked to go confront the most powerful leader in that region of the world at the time. And Moses, like many of us, you know, feels ill-equipped. Uh, he's not the right guy, and so he comes back to God with some excuses. And God says this, uh, Moses answered the Lord and said, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? And they say, the Lord did not appear to you. And then the Lord said to Moses, Moses, what's in your hand? Well, Moses replied, Lord, it's, it's only a staff, it's a stick. And the Lord said to Moses, well, take that stick and throw it on the ground. And so Moses took the stick and he threw it on the ground and it became a snake. And Moses ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take that snake by the tail. And so Moses reached out and he took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, your God, is your father. 
Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for these words. Thank you for the testimony of this man, Moses, who was reluctant to respond to your call. Thank you that you've called ordinary people like us to do your work in the world. Be with us now as we ponder this lesson in Christ's name. Amen. So I was, I was in Malawi a few years ago, and I was wrapping up a trip visiting some of our different programs, and I was in a little town in the southern part of the country called Zamba, and it's about 45 minutes from the airport in Blantyre. And so one of the directors of one of our programs had arranged transportation for me, and so I was waiting, and this SUV pulled up, and out of the SUV got a, a young man, he couldn't have been more than 25, 26, 27 years old, wearing khaki pants and a blue blazer. And he introduced himself as Peter. I got in the car, it was a nice car. And I thought surely this young man had borrowed the car because I don't see too many 26 or 27 year olds in Malawi driving nice SUVs. And so we're talking and I said, well, how'd you get the car? And he said, well, it's mine. I said, really? This is a nice car. I said, I'm just curious, how did you get it? And then he told me a story. He said, you know, I graduated from the African Bible College, and I had no money. I had no job, no prospects. And he said, one day I was in Zomba, I was a little hungry, and I, I went to this little, little shanty restaurant, and I ordered chicken and chips. The waiter left, came back 10 minutes later and said, uh, would, would you like a, a thigh, a, a leg, or a breast? And he said, I, I said, I'd, I'd like a thigh. Waiter goes away, 10 minutes later, comes back and says, uh, did you want that grilled, barbecued, or baked? And he said, uh, you know, uh, baked is great. Waiter disappears, 10 minutes later comes back and says, uh, did you want that organic, cage-free, <laughs> or free range? And uh, Peter said, I just, I just said, I, I want the chicken. Waiter disappears. Ten minutes later, comes back again and says, uh, sorry, we're out of chicken. <laughs> but the waiter says, look, I can drive down to Blantyre. I can get a chicken. I can drive back, cook it up, and I'll have it ready for you in an hour and a half. Peter said, no, that's fine. Walked out of the restaurant. Now, I don't know about most of you, but we, we would jump on our phones, right? We'd write a nasty review in Yelp, and we'd complain about the, the meal we didn't get, but Peter didn't do that. Instead, Peter was curious, and he, he began asking, I wonder if there's anybody in this town that supplies chickens to these little restaurants or these, you know. And he starts asking around, and there's nobody. And he realizes there's an opportunity. And then he looked at me, and he said, there's only one problem. I was just out of school. I had no job. I had no money. And Peter said, you know, the only thing I had was a cell phone. My father had given it to me for my graduation gift from college. And Peter said, I asked myself the question, why do I need a cell phone if I have no job and no money? So he said, I took what I had. I sold it, got 40 U.S. dollars, and I bought 100 chickens. And I started a little chicken business. And I said to Peter, I said, well, how much do you make a year? And he stopped for a minute and he said, well, I, I probably make somewhere between 75 and 80,000 US dollars a year. I'm like, whoa. He said, I employ five people. 
And he said, because God has blessed me so much, I've started a ministry to prisoners, teaching them entrepreneurial skills, so that when they come out of prison, they'll have something to do, some way to make some money. I don't know about you, but I don't know too many 25-year-olds that would surrender their cell phone. <laughs> do you? And yet, with a little faith, with a little imagination, a little courage, this young man didn't look at what he didn't have. He looked at what he had. And what he had in his hand was a phone. And he released it. He let it go in faith. And because of that, he has a thriving business and ministry today. Now, when I heard that story, it, it, it transported me back to my sixth grade Sunday school class. Because when I was in sixth grade at the First Baptist Church in Vancouver, British Columbia, we had a teacher named Miss Belcher, and she used to teach us Bible stories. Now, back in the day, they used something called a flannel graph. Any of you remember flannel graph? Flannel graphs, yeah. You know, that's, that's, that was before, like, DVDs and VHS and TikTok. You know, flannel graphs were somewhere between cave paintings and etch-a-sketch. <laughs> but, you know, if you've never experienced a Bible story on a flannel graph board, I mean, you, you, you've missed out on life. Flannographs are like these big boards. They were velvet. And if, if I remember, they were always kind of a sky blue. And then, you know, Miss Belcher, the teacher, she had this, you know, plastic bag or this little grocery bag. And in it, she had all these, they called them manipulatives. They were like little images with, with Velcro on the back. And, you know, we'd sit around in a circle and she'd, she'd reach her, her, you know, these, these bony, shaky hands you know, into the bag, and she'd pull out, and, and today we were going to Egypt, so she put the pyramids on there. And then, you know, some bulrushes, and then she started telling the story of Moses. You know, great story, isn't it? You know, Pharaoh's going to eliminate all the Hebrew boys because the population is getting too big, and he's worried about he'd lose power, and, and then Moses' mom puts him in a, a basket and puts him in the the Nile River, and she'd keep putting these manipulatives up there and sticking them against the Velcro. And then, you know, then Moses grows up in Pharaoh's court, and then he murders an Egyptian, and he has to run to the desert, and he's wandering in the desert, and then one day he has the encounter at the burning bush. Oh, that manipulative was extra special. I think it even had some sparkles on it. And then you know the story. One of the most tender verses of Scripture, I think, in the Old Testament, God says, I, I've seen the misery of my people. I've heard their cries. Moses, I need you to go. And I need you to confront Pharaoh. And I need you to liberate my people from captivity. And what does Moses do like any of us would do? Wait a minute. <laughs> That's too much for me. And he starts making excuses. I'm not equipped. I don't have the training. So what does God do? Does he say, Moses, you need to go to grad school for three years, get a PhD in Middle Eastern studies? Or, or does he say, you know, you need to watch a master class in game theory, or, or you need to watch three seasons of The Crown 
and learn about dysfunctional royal families so you can understand what's going on in Pharaoh's court? No. What does God say? You got enough, Moses. Just who you are. What's in your hand? Well, nothing. No, no, no. Look again. What's in your hand? Well, I got a stick. It's my stability. It's my security. It's, 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 it's what I use to do my job. No, no, no. Throw it down, Moses. See, God always starts with what we have, not with what we don't have. Now, this is what happens sometimes at this point in the sermon. Some of us begin to sort of, our, our eyes begin to glaze over, and I'll tell you why. Because we go, what does this story that took place 3,000 years ago have anything to do with my life? What does this guy Moses have to say to me today? Well, let me tell you. Let me make the connection, the thread that I think connects this story that took place thousands of years ago with you and I today. And that's simply this. There's still suffering people. There's still leaders in this world who create circumstances that lead people to misery. You know, despite all the technology and all the TED Talks and all the research in social sciences and all the conferences on leadership, we still have leaders that make life miserable for people. I was coming back from the airport the other night. I was talking to my Uber driver. He's from Congo. The guy had a degree in like biophysics or something. He had a good job in the country and then there was a coup and he had to run to South Africa and now he's driving Uber. We're talking and he says, you know, in the Congo, Bruce, there's billions of dollars of, of minerals just beneath the surface and we can't even put desks in our schools for kids. There's still pharaohs in the world. There's still misery. And as long as there's misery in the world, as long as there's people suffering, God comes to you and me as Christians and says, it's your responsibility. It's your opportunity to do something to make a difference. What's in your hand? Start there. So many of you know that we've been working in Malawi now for 15 years. And you know what happens, Jeff, when you, when you develop and inspire leaders? <laughs> they do stuff. And the 150 leaders that we've inspired over the last 15 years, they've gone back and they've done extraordinary things. And in Malawi alone, they've built nine nonprofit organizations, six high schools. We're now educating 1,500 kids a year in remote places, kids that would have never had an opportunity to go to school. We're graduating 500 kids a year from these high schools. And some people come up and they pat me on the back and they say, Bruce, that's amazing, great work, great work. Guess what? Out of those 500 kids who graduate from our high schools each year, only 50 will go on to further education because there's just no opportunity. Only the A-plus students 
in these countries have that opportunity. And I don't know about you, but I wasn't an A-plus student. I was a C student at best. And if I had lived in Malawi or some of these other countries, my education would have ended at eighth grade, maybe 12th grade if I'm lucky. And college and education has changed my life. Probably yours too. 450 kids a year going back to subsistence farming and poverty. So what do you do? Well, a couple of us started praying and God said, start a university. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> a university? I mean, that's, that's kind of out of our league. And then I start making the excuses. Oh, we don't have any faculty. We don't have any money. We don't have any land. We just got kids. And what does God say? Bruce, what's in your hand? Well, nothing, Lord. No, 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 no. You, you need to take inventory, look closer. Well, Lord, I got a cell phone that, that's got a bunch of names in it. I've got a Rolodex. And if you know what a Rolodex is, your joints are sore when you get up in the morning. Right? 35 years of relationships with pastors and churches and supporters who trust us. Give me that, says God. And watch what I do. Oh, but wait, 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 Lord. I got to protect that. That's 35 years of work. You know, I just can't throw it away. I mean, we barely have enough to keep Camden going. Throw it to the ground, Bruce. Release it. Watch me take this dead thing and make it a living thing. So I started calling some people. I called a friend of mine in Canada who I know has a heart for international work. I told him the vision. He didn't laugh at me. But he did say, Bruce, you're in way over your head. You don't know what you're doing. You need to call my friend at EMI named Greg. I said, what's EMI? He said, it's, it's Engineering Missionaries International. It's a group of architects, civil engineers, surveyors. So I call Greg. I tell him the, the story, the dream. And he says, we can help you. That's what we do. I said, well, how do you work? And he said, well, when you get your land, we'll send a team in and we'll, we'll you know, work with the locals. We'll, we'll put a plan together. We'll talk about sewage and sanitation. I mean, things that, you know, I don't know anything about. You bring a team to Malawi? Yeah. I mean, how much is that going to cost me, Greg? Free. Free. Do you guys have degrees? Oh, Bruce, we're missionaries. This is what we do. And then Greg told me his story. Bright kid out of college, architectural degree, making good money. One day he stumbles into a church service and hears this sermon that grabs a hold of his heart. Feels like Jesus is tugging at him. And what does God ask Greg? 
Same thing he asked Moses. What's in your hand? Well, I got some architectural skills. Throw it to the ground. Oh, but wait a minute, Lord. I, I, this is what supports my family. This is what gives me a sense of security. No, no, no. Throw it to the ground. So 15 years ago, Greg threw it to the ground. And he said to me on the phone call, he said, Bruce, I built schools in Burundi, orphanages in India, water systems in Colombia. It's been an amazing ride. Never would have believed it. Never would have dreamed it. You see, that's what happens when we let go of what's in our hands. God takes dead things and makes them come to life. You can't turn sticks into snakes if you hold on. You can't turn cell phones into chicken farms and prison ministries if you hold on. You can't turn architecture skills into schools and hospitals and orphanages for kids if you hold on. It's throwing it down. What's in your hands? And I look around a congregation like this You may think you've got nothing, but you've got a lot. Your burden. What burden has God placed on your heart? And what's in your hands that God wants to use to eliminate, alleviate the misery of God's people? I'll close with this. You know, I think one group of people that have a lot on their hands, I think, are retirees. They've got a career of building skills, and now they've got time. The best phone calls I ever get are from people that say, Bruce, I'm retiring in a month. Can you use me? And I remember a few years ago, I got a call from a guy named Bob, and Bob worked in South Jersey. He was a lawyer, corporate trial lawyer. He calls me, he says, can you use me as a volunteer? I'm like, what do you do? He said, oh, I'm a corporate trial lawyer. I said, I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) What are you good at, Bob? Well, I've been writing legal briefs for 40 years. I'm I'm a really good writer. What's your burden, Bob? My burden is kids who have the potential to go to college, but but may need some help writing. All right, Bob, why don't you teach a class on writing to our juniors and seniors at our high school? Help them do their essays to get into college. And over the last few years, Bob has, I think, single-handedly sent at least five or six kids who never dreamed about going to college to college. God took that thing, that dead thing in his hand and has, has turned it to life. But one of the best Bob stories was his wife does a prison ministry to women. And one night she was with the women in prison and she asked them to write prayers to God. And so these women who had been incarcerated wrote these beautiful prayers, heart-wrenching prayers about their disappointments, their pain, their suffering. So Bob's wife collected them that night, brought brought them home, and she shared a little bit about her exercise. And Bob said, can I see those letters? those prayers to God. And Bob started reading them. He had an idea. 
Next day, he brought him into the, the writing class, placed him on the desk of each of the kids. He said to the kids, I want you to pretend you're God. And I want you to answer these prayers of these women. And our kids at Urban Promise began to write these beautiful responses, heartfelt, compassionate. They began to reflect more deeply on their faith and the lives that they wanted to lead. That all happened because somebody had something in their hand and was willing to let it go. Some of you have time. Some of you have skills. Some have money. But if you really want to see it flourish, let it go. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you that you've equipped us. Thank you that you've given us gifts and passions and burdens and resources, skills, gifts. We pray for a burden, Lord, a holy burden. We pray that we might have the courage to, to release these things that are in our hands so that the misery and suffering of those around the world can be comforted and blessed. In Jesus' name, amen.